Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and I'm here tonight with author Sean McDonough. He's the author of The 13 Black Cats of Edith Penn. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. <laughs> doing good. Can't complain, right? <laughs> Can't complain. Yeah. I could, but I won't. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like, you don't want to know, but I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have enough time. <laughs> so your, uh, your newest book is The 13 Black Cats of Edith Penn. What, what can you tell us about it? Uh, it's a, it's a witchcraft story. It's a, it's a, you know, modern witchcraft story. I feel like people tend to go older with those, but I'm going right now with it, but it is my, you know, my attempt at like a real old timey, uh, new England witchcraft story. It's one of my first times trying to be like the place and the history is part of the story. So it's got, you know, it's, it's a tale of resurrection. There's a tale of cats, which I'm told the internet enjoys. And it's just, you know, Listen, it's bloody, it's fun. All of the early reviews seem to be, you know, getting the vibe I'm going for with it. So I'm, I'm very happy with how it came out. So I'm almost afraid to ask you, but I did find myself laughing at, at in portions that I wasn't sure if I should be laughing or not. You know, I always hope that, you know, there are things that I put in where, like, I hope people will laugh at and then feel bad about laughing at. So it's uh, whatever it was, I'm sure it was good. Mission accomplished then, because I... <laughs> I would laugh at parts and I would, should I be laughing at this? Is this intentionally funny or is there something wrong with me? So that's good to hear. You know what? I try, I try to, that's kind of like the spot I write for. I think of my horror kind of as like slumber party horror. Like it's rated R, it's violent, it's gory. It's not really meant to be funny, but at the same time, like if you're a bunch of 14 year olds getting together to watch a horror movie, this, this would be a contender if it were a movie. Yeah. That, that's how I look at all my stuff. I know. And I, I did see on your bio on Amazon that you were influenced a lot by Goosebumps when you were younger. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that still a part of like where your brain goes when you're writing your stories? Kind of those influences. I mean, yeah, just kind of that tone. Like every like you know, if you're a kid reading Goosebumps, like they're not so much scary as they are like a celebration of what is supposed to be scary. So that that's kind of the tone I go for. Where you know, if, a lot of my reviews they use the term fun. And that's, that's kind of what I, and that it, everything I do is fun, but it also, it's like, you know, four people just got brutally murdered with an ax. This shouldn't be fun, but we framed it in a way that it's fun. So like, that's, that's basically what grown up goosebumps would be. Like we killed everyone, but it, it was a fun time. Yeah. Everyone died, but it was great. Yeah. yeah. Everyone died, but they had a good time on the way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So uh, was there a specific, uh, what specifically influenced or uh, kind of inspired this book, this the story in this book? You know, it's funny. Like I'm, you know, they call it in the writing terms, like you're either a plotter or a pantser where, you know, you're either, you have it all figured out or you're just going to kind of wing stuff. I'm very much a winger, very much a pantser. And every book I write, like it starts from just one thing that I just kind of build everything off of. In this case, it was literally just like the title came into my head, the 13 black cats of Edith Penn, which I thought had like, kind of like a cool old style, just like ominousness to it. And I just started there. And then I was like, what's going to happen next? Well, I'll find out. It's yeah, like, I mean, really the first thing I had was, you know, the opening where like that classic old urban legend, like the old lady dies and the cats eat her body. And then it's just, why did the cats eat her body? And then we just kind of, tumble down from there yeah yeah i did a yeah that that description uh yeah it was, it was pretty good 
<laughs> it was a good visual of the yeah. cats. Yeah, I don't want to say I don't want to say too much to ruin it, but yeah, yeah it was it, the yeah. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty good. And uh, yeah, I think the internet does love cats. So you're onto something. Yeah, there. the internet loves cats. These are these are the anti LOL cats. They are the yeah. evil cats. They're not the cats playing piano on on Instagram. <laughs> flesh eating cats. <laughs> flesh eating cats. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And um, is is humor important when you're writing horror? I mean, is that is it kind of your style? But is 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 it also necessary to break up the the tension and kind of give the reader a break from time to time? I mean, I don't even know if it's so. I mean, it can work to like give people a break and break up the tension. But I mean, for me, it's really like a way to like keep people's interest like in the in between. Like when you know. Yeah, every scene like you know can't be like in you know, like a high action beat like you need to do character development you need to do you need to just move some plot pieces around and you know that stuff can get dry it can get boring and i think just humor and spending time with the characters and letting them do things that aren't necessarily relevant to the plot keep people engaged while you're doing that so that that's that's what i kind of use it for and all, all of my horror friends ask me, what, what is what is the appeal? What 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 do you enjoy about horror? So what is it that you enjoy about horror? What's what's the appeal for you? I mean, for me, I think it's really just like a sense of lawlessness and just like a rejection of just structure. Like you put the like you know horror breaks things. Like you know like it. it breaks lives it breaks you know societal rules it breaks expectations it's just it's very freeing to get that sense of just you know rejection of order and how things are supposed to be without you know getting to i mean i think you know that can be done in a kind of like a way that's like grim and dour and that i don't appeal i don't really like but it's like it's a celebration of freedom almost like a way to just to do things that are the way they're not supposed to be done. So I, I appeal to that as like kind of a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. okay. And uh, what is your creative process when you sit down to uh, what, what is your, your process when you, when you start writing something? Yeah. Well, what I start with is my first draft I do by hand, like, you know, in a notebook. And for one, that's nice. Cause I don't have to lug a computer around, like, you know, I used to have to commute a lot. I used, you know, I can just kind of write anywhere. But also when I do a second draft, that really forces me to look at everything again because then I have to type it. So that's really, a for me, it's like I have to look at every single line, every single word, every single sentence and make sure, you know, is it good enough that I want to type it or did I see something? Oh, I got to change this. I got to move that. And that, you know, that forces me to do that. Wow. Uh, what kind of notebook do you do you use? Do you kind of carry it with you everywhere you go? And, and oh, any, anything notes? that's on hand. Like I, I do a lot of spiral notebooks, a lot of five stars, but sometimes legal pads, sometimes, you know, like little memo pads, you know, just anything that's paper that I can get my hands on. Wow. And do you decide whether you want to type it out before the story is done? Or do you have a certain point that you get to where you say, yeah, I have something here. I'm going to start. I mean, I try very hard to finish things. I mean, I think just, you know, that was something I learned early, like in the writing process when I was trying to, you know, get my, you know, get my head around. And it was like, what I saw like a lot of author advice was just learn to finish things. 
because it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to quit on something. And you really don't know what you have until you're, you're done. I mean, once, I mean, you know, listen, once or twice I have bailed on something halfway through just cause like, I could really tell that I just, it was not going to go anywhere. Like, you know, I don't have, like I told you, I'm like, I'm a pantser and that's true. I don't really plot things out, but I do have in my head, at least like an idea of where it's going to go. Like there's a sense of there's something here or there's something there. There's something in act three I'm working towards, but you know, every now and again, it is like, I'm, you know, maybe halfway through it or not, not halfway through, but like maybe like halfway through the first act or the setting. And it's just clear, you know, I don't have those stepping stones ahead of me to keep this moving. It's just, it's going to die on the vine. And when did you start writing? Uh, uh, I mean, listen, I started in high school, you know, I was more interested in the film end of things first, you know, like, you know, influenced by the evil dead, all of that. So we did like a lot of backyard movies, that kind of thing. <clears throat> but I, I just naturally kind of gravitated to the writing side of it. So as I got old, older, and I, you know, I went to I went to film school, and I met people who were, you know, better directors or better whatever, that kind of just fell into my niche because that was something I could do, and I could do it well. And then I was doing scripts for a while, trying to you know break into that. And then, you know, I got a little older. I met the woman who would, you know, become my wife. And we wanted to move on, kind of stabilize, get things a little more steady. But I still wanted to write. So I took one or two of my script ideas and I started writing it as a book. And I always had that kind of writing sensibility. My scripts were very kind of literary with stuff that they told me to cut out, you know, ruins the flow of a script. But so it responded well. And, you know, what? just I've had fun. I've been having fun with it now for Seven, eight, nine, eight years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I, yeah, I enjoy doing it. I've been lucky that people seem to respond to what I'm doing. So I like getting, I mean, listen, I like getting things out there. I like having a story. I like seeing people respond to it. So it's, it's been everything I could ask for short of a large pile of money. You know, yeah. One of those <laughs> would be nice, but we're not there yet. Yeah. It could happen. You never know. <laughs> listen, and you never, you really never know, but I listen, I'm over it. I mean, I'm, I don't worry about that. I don't write for that. If I was, I'd still be chasing publishers or agents. It's just, I'm doing my thing. I'm blessed with a day job that pays for the bills. I get to do my stuff. I get to talk to fine folks like you. I get to go to, you know, like horror conventions and run a table for a weekend. I'm happy as a clown. Nice. And so you mentioned you don't chase publishers. Do you, um, do you ever query or do you just self-publish? And just I mean, I, I sent out one for 13 black cats of Edith Penn. I did send out one query just for the hell of it and never heard anything back. But it's just, I mean, it, it really, I never really liked doing that. Like uh, with like scripts, trying to send queries to agents, trying to send short stories to magazines, you know, trying to, I mean, it is kind of, no, I'll be honest. It is kind of like an ego thing. Because, you know, again, with the, we're all speaking a little bit of ego here. I'm good. I recognize that I'm a good writer. People respond to what I do well. You know, they I have a style. Mm -hmm. To send to those places, it's like essentially asking them to acknowledge that you're good enough. And I, I mean, really, that's not what it. I mean, obviously, at a certain level, you do have to have some level of you know competence to get picked and published and blah blah blah. But it's also like they're looking at it from eight different parameters of what they want, what's going to do this, what's going to do that. It just, I don't like submitting myself to it. 
It's just, yeah. you know, I know what I've got is pretty good. I'm going to put it out there. Some people will enjoy it and that's it. Yeah. It seems like even if, even if it's a great book, if it doesn't yeah. hit certain criteria, then they'll, they'll, they're just not interested. If it's some, if a certain uh, story, a part of the story isn't what's hot right now, then they'll yeah. pass, even if it's a good yeah. story. I mean, there's something I held on to. It's, you know, when I was working in Los Angeles, you know, trying to do scripts, I was working as like a production assistant, which, you know, is just a glorified gopher. It's not much of anything, but I was working on like a low budget movie, like super low. It's, it's on Tubi for free now. It, it, it's not good, but <laughs> there was this actor who was on it. Like he was a very old guy. So, you know, listen, he's essentially like retired, but just doing this, you know, for his old, you know, whatever. And, you know, we're, we're sitting outside his little, you know, his little rental trailer one day and we're just kind of, he's just shooting the shit with everyone. Cause he's old. He doesn't care anymore. He'll talk to the PAs. He tells us, he told us this story. He was like, you know, I was auditioning for a, for a commercial. It was a Toyota commercial. And I, you know, I got it and it was, it was a good, it was a good commercial. Like it ran, you know, got popular, ran for like, you know, two years. I made a lot of money, you know, little residuals. And he says like that same week I had three other auditions and I didn't get one of those jobs. And he's like, I wasn't any better or worse of an actor doing those auditions. I just wasn't what they were looking for. And that's something I always kind of held on to. It's like at a certain level with these submissions, it's not about if you're good or bad. It's just, are you what they're looking for? And just, I'm really not interested in being what someone's looking for. Yeah. And that's why I love self self publishing because it's yeah. what the writer or the creator, whatever it is intended it to be. And it's yeah. not changed or whether it's good or bad or I enjoy it or not. It's still, I still appreciate that. It's what they yeah. wanted to make. So that's yeah, exactly. About it. And querying. So it's, I never realized how, how soul crushing that must be for people who query all the time and they wait. Yeah. And it takes so much effort. I mean, like, listen, you can't just, you know, write one boilerplate thing and just, you know, send it out and be done with it. Like you have to tailor it and find, you know, spend time looking for places that are open, soliciting queries. And it, like you said, it's a lot of running into a wall and it's just, it's time you could spend writing or it's time you could spend trying to get on a podcast or it's time you could spend, you know, doing social media marketing. I mean, it's just, most people have finite effort, especially if they have a day job. So it's just a matter of how you want to prioritize. Yeah. It sounds really frustrating. I don't, I mean, I, I respect the people who do it, but. God. Yeah. Listen, that, yeah, there's, there's no one, there's no one right way to do things. I'm just, you know, outlining my own thought process and what works for me. Like, but yeah, that, that's just where I came down on it. Yeah. I, I don't have the talent to be a writer, but if I, if I was, if I did do it, then I would go self-publishing. I would just yeah. do what I wanted to do. And, and if it were, and like you said, if people respond to it, then great. If not, then yeah, then they don't. Yeah. So that's, I respect that. Do you think horror as a, as a genre is accessible for most people? I mean, like, do they like, is it, do you mean like in the sense that it's easy to find or in the sense that it's easy for people to, you know, get into like, you know, in terms of like gatekeepers and stuff like that. Yeah. Like it's easy for, for people to get into who are maybe aren't normally into horror. Cause I, I, I think like some people, it. yeah. I would say, yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, you know, this as well as I do. I mean, the horror community for the most part is just like, in my experience, just exceedingly welcoming. It's just kind of like, you want to get in here. Like it's, I think it's like, it's part of like, you know, recognizing on some of this is all like very weird shit. So it's just like, you do you like some weird shit all right come on in come let's let's talk about some weird shit yeah <laughs> and 
it, it is really strange to me that, like you said, the horror community is just really friendly and welcome. It's you wouldn't expect that. Yeah, but yeah, if it's you know, it's like a lot of like these like real misfit communities, like you know, the horror community, the metal community. It's just like it's like a very much like a protective, like kind of like outer front. And then if you get through it, it's just like a bunch of teddy bears. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you just got to get in. You just got to get through that, you know, that outer layer of you know weird spooky shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you you mentioned social uh, spending time marketing on social media. How do you how do you stand out or how do you get your your book out there and kind of let people know that it's there? I mean, you know, I've got an Instagram. I've got I just got a Twitter, which frankly I don't love. But I mean, there are people. That, I'll admit there are people that are, that are much better at it than me. But you know, listen, I I'm fairly regular on Instagram and Facebook. I you know I post what I find to be interesting. You know, I pick up new followers you know, fairly regularly. And, you know, I message, you know, I tag people, I message people like, like you just to, you know, send out a book, you know, see if we can get a review going. I mean, again, it helps that, like, I think what I put out is fairly interesting. So people tend to respond relatively well and, you know, give it a look, give it a read. And, you know, that, that's the extent of it. I know there are people who are better at it than me, but I, I keep active. Yeah. It's, it looks, it seems like it'd be tough to have a, have a constant presence. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. you know, again, I think it's just, it's probably just a lot of effort. Like you have to be like, you know, always on it, like find something to post, find something to tag. And it's just, I mean, I do it when I find something I think is interesting, not like compulsively just doing it to do it, which is what you have to do if you really want to get one of these like big followings. Yeah. yeah it sounds like a lot of time investment. Yeah. And how do you deal with, uh, I know a lot of your reviews, I was looking at your other reviews, and a lot of them are really positive. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you're going to run into someone who didn't enjoy it for whatever reason. How yeah. do you how do you deal with that? How do you kind of process that? Uh, I mean, listen, it's it's like I said, I was, I'm in this just to, you know, put stuff out there and see what people say. If they say something not good, then like, you know, like the old man on the movie set said, like, it just wasn't for them. Mm. Yeah. And what's some what's some of the best advice you've received uh, as as when you as you started writing? Uh, like I said, you know, make sure you finish things. You know, don't quit on things. And on it's and it's it's almost like you know like a stereotype, but it's true. Just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Keep writing. Keep creating things, and just make sure you keep them going. Do you have someone that you kind of bounce ideas off of as you're writing, as you're crafting your stories or someone that reads your, like a beta reader that reads your books? I do have a steady beta reader who is someone I met in college. You know, she's, you know, we were, we went to film school together, you know, and it's funny, like, I mean, obviously we're friendly because, you know, it's now more years later than I care to remember, I guess almost 15 years now, but it's, we don't talk regularly. It's just like, if I have a script, if I have a book, I'll send it to her. If she has a script, she'll send it to me. And it's, we've been doing this for over a decade, but that's just the extent of our relationship. <laughs> Which, you know, now that I say it out loud, I mean, maybe that actually helps in the sense that, you know, because we're not like best friends. Like we can be honest with each other in a way that we couldn't be like, if I have to see you for drinks on Saturday and I really don't like what you did over here. <laughs> so, it, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a good relationship. You know, like she's familiar with my work. I'm familiar with hers. And I uh, think, you know, I think we, we give each other good feedback. Yeah. It, you avoid those awkward moments. Yeah. 
I actually owe her an email that I'm thinking about. She sent me something I got to take a look at. So I got to respond to that. <laughs> and you, uh, you mentioned you went to film school. Do you have any favorite uh, favorite movies? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, um, I'm a big fan of, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead, Friday the 13th. You know, really, I'm a fan of the classics, you know, the, the 80s classics. Yeah. Is that because of because you grew up in that era or is it because – you just kind of go back to the. To well, the I'm, a, I'm a little younger than that. Give me a little credit here. I, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was, um, I was re really more of a '90s kid. But it's just, yeah. I think the '80s horror, you know, I gravitate like you know we're talking about that tone of like trying to make it fun and being excessive and going over the top. And the '80s was that style. So I think yeah. that's what I gravitate to. Like you know, we speak the same language. Like I'm a big collector of like you know used books. I look for the stuff from the eighties, like, you know, the horror paperback boom where, you know, you just had skeletons on the cover and, you know, red dripping blood letters, like all this, there was eighties horror has, has a uh, shamelessness to it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not trying to be grounded. It's not trying to actually be like extreme. It's just like trying to be as ex like over the top and shamelessly bloody as possible, but like in a fun way. Like, you know, we're not trying to have a bad time. We're trying to have a good time. Yeah. It seems like that kind of common for the 80s with the music and the culture. That it was very much, yeah, it was very much that era of time where just like no one had the grace to be ashamed of themselves. And it turned out in a good way for a lot of stuff. You know, maybe not, not for everything, but for the entertainment, it was just like no one stopped to think, do I look ridiculous right now? And that came up with a lot of good stuff. Lots of hairspray and eyeliner in the music yeah. industry. Like yeah. <laughs> Someone should have asked themselves that. Yeah. And what makes a good story? You know, I think energy. Energy is whether something is good, whether something is like traditionally good or traditionally bad. Like, you know, if you talk about like so bad, it's good. I mean, what I think what brings that happen is energy. No one was half-assing it. No one was just trying to cash a paycheck. Like whatever someone's ability was like, it's a good story. If you can tell people gave this thing 110%. I mean, like, you know, like, you know, about the room, right? You know, the uh, Tommy Weissaw, you know, the, have you not heard of the room? No, I haven't. Oh, <laughs> anyone in the it. comments, please tell this man to go see the room. <laughs> I mean, all right, very briefly, it's like, it's a, it's this cult movie from the early 2000s. This guy, Tommy Wiseau, I might even, I might even pronounce his last name right. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, yeah. The, yeah. the So Bad It's Good movie. Yeah, but listen, it's, it's a god-awful technical piece of work. Like, nothing in it is, is competent in any way possible. But this was a man who wanted nothing more in this world than to make that movie. And he did. And that's the reason why it has that life that it's taken on because you can tell like there was effort put into this. Like no one phoned this in. Like this was the best they could do. And while it wasn't good, it just, people responded to that enthusiasm. And that's what like, I think all the best horror has, even if it, even from the, from the best of the best to the worst of the worst, hmm. the good ones are the ones where people tried. Yeah. I, I, yeah. People can tell uh yeah that when you try yeah so that's, i guess he has that going for him but i think <laughs> they made a uh 
a, like a like a mockumentary of that of that movie, right? Recently. Well, 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 we, well it's even a mockument. It's not even necessarily a mockumentary. Yeah, it's uh, the Disaster Artist, and which I saw and I actually I kind of loved because it it kind of brought me back to like my youth and like you know like trying to be in that industry and trying to make something, and it captured that spirit. Like, the movie doesn't you know mince words. The guy's a goddamn lunatic, but like they keyed in on that, you know he wanted to do this cause he loved it. And like, it's, it turns into a celebration of trying to do that. Like just enjoying the work and enjoying what you're doing. Yeah. Well, yeah, is that going for him? I guess <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll have to watch it. Cause I, I've always heard about it, but I've, I've never enjoyed those movies that are, they're so bad. They're good kind of thing. Like it just doesn't, you, but, you well, might find an exception for this one. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it just, it has to, it has to genuinely be seen to be believed. Like there's nothing I could really say to you or like try to reenact for you that will get across just how just bizarre this entire endeavor is. Hmm. <laughs> all right. I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll, I'll finally give in after all these years so to, <laughs> to check it out. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any favorite uh, horror or either horror movie or, ho or horror book tropes? Uh, yes, yes. But now I got to think about. It. I'm terrible at these kind of questions. Like, like I have this answer. I have this answer in my head, like multiple times a day. Like, oh, I'm so fond of this or that. And then someone will ask me, like, what are your favorite tropes? And I'll just be like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the wall here, real quick. Uh, I mean, I'm a fan of. I don't know if it's really a trope. I'm a fan of slashers. I'm a fa I'm a fan of summer. I don't know. This is gonna describe Friday Thirteenth, but like I, you know, I like summer camps. I like uh, I like you know, like young adults. I like parties. I like uh, you know. Here, here's here's a real trope. I'm a real fan of like uh, I don't know if this is really a trope, but like I love it when. No one really like everyone should know that something terrible is happening, and just nobody does. It's like you know, like you're in the house where the the blood is dripping down the walls, and it's just like get the get out. And they're like, oh no, no, this is this is a great house. I love this house. It's, get out, get out. What are you doing? <laughs> I just love that sense of just like, you know, the the train is coming. You're on the tracks, and just nobody's moving. Like it's just it's just it builds an anticipation of it's coming, it's yeah. coming for you. It is coming for you, definitely. Yeah, that's uh, and it it's funny that a lot of the movies now, like the the a lot of the horror movies are based in the eighties or early nineties yeah. because now there's there's so much technology that you can't really put people in an impossible position because everyone has it's, a cell phone. Yeah, it, it gets you know, and that's something I've had to deal with, and I'm just like, oh, it's you know, but. It, that's actually a kind of a challenge I enjoy because like you do have to, you do have to crack it, but like, you know, and once or twice I've been lazy and just like, Oh, you know, you're in the ghost theme park and uh, cell phones don't work because uh, you know, the, the ghost said so, but like, you know, in one of my books, uh, you know, rock and roll death trip, I had to, I, just, I engineered it that like, you know, he left his phone in a, you know, in a box and, in another one, I'm basically I set up so like, yeah, they could call out, and they they actually they do they call for help, but they're they're trapped in the middle of a snowstorm. So yeah, they call for help. Nobody's coming. You know, you can't uh, you can't get to anyone. 
So it, that, that's like a fun nut to crack. It's like, it's not, it's something you have to solve, but you know, if you work at it, you can find a way without just resorting to, Oh, no signal here in this one place where there's no signals. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that's a, that's a go-to. That's an easy, yeah, that, easy way. Out. That's the lazy one. The lazy one is no signal. You know, you, if you, but if you put a little work into it more often than not, you can find some way to actually solve that in a way that's interesting. And you mentioned the Evil Dead being one of your one of the influential movies for you. Did you watch the? I don't know if you want to call it a remake, but the one that came out I don't know about ten years ago. Yeah, you know what? Not only did I watch that one, that came out the weekend of my wedding, and the rehearsal was Friday night. And like I told my groomsmen, who were all you know weirdos, I'm just like, all right, before the before the rehearsal dinner, we're all just going to go see the Evil Dead because I want to get that out of the way, and you know, that's that's what we did. So yeah, I, you know. I enjoyed that one. It was it was a good kind of remake. It, it did its own thing, but it, you know, still spoke to the original. It was creepy. It was fun. I, I was a fan of that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was a like you said, it was different enough that it was yeah. wasn't just a rehash. Yeah, so a surprisingly good remake. Did you see the Child's Play remake? I haven't, but I've heard good things about it. You know, again, it like different different enough to be its own thing. And not a bad thing. Like it could have just been its own movie. Like it didn't necessarily need to be a child's play reboot. It could have done its own thing on its own two legs and been, you know, like a good time. So I, I would, I would suggest that one. It's worth checking out. Did you watch the, uh, the, it was a new series, right? Chucky yeah. Or, I got, I got two episodes left to go. Me, uh, me and my wife, we have it on the DVR and we've been pecking our way through it. it it's again, that's, that's the opposite of not obviously not, different but really just like speaking to you know at this point 20 30 years of chucky and really having fun with the whole history of the lineage i've i've enjoyed it but the thing is like i said i've enjoyed it i've liked it i don't know how many seasons of eight hours of chucky content you can do and have it still be engaging like i don't know if we really need more than two seasons of this it's just like they did the one season I know there's another one coming. I suppose I can see the case for one more. At a certain point, it's just there's only so many eight-hour blocks of Chucky a year that you can do. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of it, one of the reasons I've I've avoided the some of those movies, just because I'm 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 kind of burnt out of the on the nostalgia of you know everything is a remake or there's a new Matrix movie. And yeah. Do we? I mean, I don't know. It's I'm. It's a little. Let's tell them some new stories. And there's so many great stories to tell. Yeah, and it's just too bad that I think, uh, and you, you could probably you probably know this better than I do, but it it seems like studios are risk adverse. Uh, yeah, no, it's just now. it's all it's all brand recognition, and you get you do get some good stories out of it because it's people trying to look back. I mean, there are different things you can do with a property twenty years later, like you know, just different life experiences, different world. So I'm not necessarily against it all the time. But like you said, it's just, it's everywhere. And like, you know, every streaming service is just like, what did we do 30 years ago that someone wants to see more of? You know, uh, Saved by the Bell? Fuck it, sure. We're, we're yeah. back to school. Yeah. It's just everyone's like, so, you know, it's the content machine. You got to find shit that people will watch and you got to find shit that people will pony up $7 a month for. And the easiest way to do that is to be like, oh, you kids like the Matrix, right? Here's some more Matrix. 
And it's funny because uh, like a, a service like Netflix, they have so much content. It's almost hard to keep up yeah. so much. You, can, you can't. Watch. I mean, I'm listen, I'm a big horror fan. I'm a big horror reader. I mean, part of it is just, you know, I'm older. There's only so much time, but you just you can't humanly keep up with all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's like six movies that like, you know, I'd like to watch or six shows I'd like to check out. And it's just unless you're going to commit yourself to like a movie a night or, you know, a binge watch every weekend, it's, you, you can't do it all. I mean, I've got two kids. I'm trying to write a book. I'm trying to I can't see everything, even if I'd like to. And I, I'd like to see more stuff, but it's just you can't do it. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. What are uh, some of the movies on your list that you'd like to see? Uh, you know, I'm halfway through Night Teeth on Netflix, you know, like the vampire thing. And again, like I've watched half of it. I like it. I want to finish it. And it's just like, nope, can't find that hour. I mean, I want to see that. There's, you know, there's this, uh, and I haven't even read the book yet, but like Adam Neville did this book, The Ritual, that's got a movie version on Netflix. And like, I've seen like one creepy clip for it. I'm just like, that looks awesome as shit. I'll watch all of that. And then I've never even turned it on. I mean, it's just, there's just, I want, I would like to own Shutter, the network, but I can't convince my wife to pony up the extra $5 a month for one more streaming service we don't use. Yeah. It's, just, it's just, there's too much stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it's it's tough to get another streaming service when you can't keep up with the ones you have. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Uh, what are some of the the TV shows that you like to see? Uh, yeah, the, I like the newer ones. I'd like to finish Chucky. I'd like to find the two hours to finish Chucky. Um, I really like uh, the Creep Show show that they do, but again, because I don't have Shutter, I have to wait for the season to finish so it can show up on Amazon about eight months after it wraps up. But that's. That's a nice, I mean, Creepshow lends itself very well to becoming a TV show because it was already an anthology. Now it's just a matter of that. We do eight of them instead of three of them. And it's like, checks out, carry on. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, music. Do you have any favorite, or do you listen to music while you write? Oh, yeah. No, I, if, a, if a book or if a, if a book's going, I know a book's going well when I take the time to make a playlist for it. Hmm. So, yeah, no, we do. And definitely do a lot of music while I'm writing. Have you ever uh, shared those playlists with your readers? Yeah, no, you know, again, you know, the social media, like, you know, that's always a little thing, a little blurb I do, like, oh, this is the playlist for that one. This is the playlist for this one. So, yeah, no, I, I, I kick those out there. Yeah, that's pretty fun. I think it's, it's, it's cool for, as a reader, it's cool to, to kind yeah. of just listen to what the, you know, inspired the, yeah, and it, it speaks to the tone you're trying to set up. Like I, my first book was uh, Beverly Kills, which is a uh, it's a teen coming of age story where the main girl is a serial killing cheerleader. So, but like the the playlist, like it's half you know like Rob Zombie, Living Dead Girl, you know Wednesday Thirteen, put your desk mask on. Then the other half is like you know teen pop because I'm trying to keep this one of the things in the book is, you know, the bounce between the world. So like, I needed that vibe. I gotta, I gotta get some Britney Spears in here. So we're feeling, uh, we're feeling that side of things. <laughs> From uh, Rob Zombie to Britney Spears. That's a good, yeah. that's a good that was, that was the book. So I needed, I needed to match that tone. Nice. <laughs> 13 black cats of Edith Penn was just like a lot of just very scary sounding women. Like just like, raw forceful like nico vega within temptation just scary women yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on rob zombie as a movie director you know what i visually i think he's 
very good. Like, you know, he does like, he's not boring. He does a lot of stuff with, with color, with angles, with music, you know, obviously he's a phenomenal, you know, he knows how to, you know, build a scene and match music to it. He shouldn't be writing his own stuff. Like he should just be like, he should find some scripts that someone else wrote and think like, that's, that's cool. I'm going to take my style and apply it to that. But you know, his writing is just, you know, how many hillbillies can you have? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited for his monsters movie. Cause like, again, like, you know, he clearly has like a love for the material and I think he, I think he's going to make a good time with it. He's making a monsters movie. I didn't oh know yeah. That. Yeah. Oh, he's, wow. he's like, he's into it. Like there's pictures, like, you know, the cast is cast, you know, the house is built. He's, he's rocking and rolling on that thing. Oh man. I've been out of the, I'm out of the loop. I didn't know that he was doing that. Yeah, no. Again, listen, I'll I'll give him a shot. I mean, I think you know he's you know it, it's up his alley. Hmm. Okay, nice. And you uh, you know being a fan of the, of eighties horror, what how did you what did you feel about his Halloween movies? Did you enjoy those? You know, I liked the first one, and that's you know that's kind of a I didn't like the second one, but apparently like you know I've read enough to know that there's a lot of drama between you know the Weinstein's and how he didn't really want to do one, but he was afraid if he did it they'd make someone else do it and it would just be you know even more fucked up. But I listen, I I like it for what it was and what he was he was clearly trying to do his own thing with it, and I can appreciate that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much on the same camp, but well, I didn't really. I didn't really enjoy it too much. I think it's, you know, he did what he wanted to do. And at least it wasn't just another rehash. So, yeah. I mean, it, it probably helps for me that like Michael Myers is my least favorite of the, uh, the big names. So like, I, I, I felt it was less sacred. Like I don't need, you know, Michael Myers to be this pure thing that we never fuck with. And it's just <laughs> like, you, know, you, you can do something else with him. I'm, I'm not a big Myers fan. No. What, what is it about Michael Myers that you don't enjoy? I mean, I think, you know, he wasn't really meant to be a franchise character. Like John Carpenter had this vision of, you know, Halloween as an anthology series where every movie was something different. So he made Michael Myers this kind of faceless thing that he could do this one movie with. Everyone was like, oh, no, 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 we love him. Give us more of him. And then everyone got, and then really they had nothing else to do with him, but kind of revert him into like a half-assed Jason clone. Because it's just like, now he's a slasher and he's just going to, wander Haddonfield and he has eight siblings and he has to kill all of them. And, you know, and also I, I recognize this is nitpicky, but it just, it bothers me to no end. You know, Freddie's supernatural. Jason's supernatural. Michael Myers is a dude. He is just a guy. And like, you know, you got these, this new reboot trilogy and the first one was very good. It was very well made, but he is a 65 year old man that they hit with a fucking car and they shot him in the neck, and they blew up a house with him inside it. And it's just like, no, I'm cool. I'm fine. I'm like, you're dead. I'm sorry. I don't make these rules. You made these rules. He's a guy, and you killed him. <laughs> He's taking some good vitamins, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. we should all be as, as healthy at 65 as Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> He's in great shape. He's in great shape. He must be do. He must be juicing on the weekends or all that walking he does gives him great cardio. Yeah, (laughs) he stays active. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry. It's just no, you're you're dead. I can't help you. 
Did you see? Uh, I think it's called Thirty One that Rob Zombie did. The it's like a crowdfunded. I no, I, I know he was. Yeah, that was the. I didn't see that one because again, it just looked like another clown hillbilly, you know, going after people in a box. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty out there, but it was yeah. it was uh, so out there. It was kind of it was kind of enjoyable. It was, uh, yeah, kind of pretty good. It was better than the last few. I know a lot of people like the Devil's Rejects, but I wasn't a real big fan of that one. Well, I like Devils again for like I like Devils Rejects a lot for the visuals. I thought like you know it looked beautiful, and I respond to that kind of California desert look. You know the use of the music, but you know you're talking about tropes before. Tropes I don't like is just the murder family that gets away with it. Like you just spend a whole hour and a half or 250 pages just watching people who are just kind of irredeemably terrible. Like in the sense that they're basically like Batman villains. Like you've created someone for Batman to punch in the face and there's no Batman. There's never a Batman that shows up to stop them. It's just, they just go. And at the end, they're never really challenged or overcome or it's just, they, they basically they win and they walk away and that's just that's just it and it's like what what were we here for hmm. i mean when i write like and you know i don't write just generically happy endings i mean you know things get you know dark or you know people don't always pull it out but i think you need that real honest contrast between you know your monsters and your mortals like it can't just be a completely one-sided conflict where the humans have no hope and they just die at the end. Like people have to be able to fight back in a way that matters. Otherwise, what are we here for? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. And they do seem, well, I think part of the reason why, and now that you mentioned that, I think part of the reason why I didn't enjoy it is because it's so bleak that there's, there's yeah. it's just them. It's just, yeah. Like, you know, like they take this family and they put them in a hotel room and they just, they yell and that's the end of it. Like there's no, there's no real, come back yeah. that's just that's the whole thing you know like listen the, without judging anyone's morality or ethics or blah 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 like you watch people who frankly you spend the whole movie watching people who frankly deserve to get what's coming to them and they just really don't even if at the end the catharsis you know the cops shoot the shit out of them guess what 20 years later there's a sequel and they they lived and then they just carry on yeah, it's hard to root for those kind of characters. It's hard to root for yeah. those murdering yeah, families. Listen, I, I find no, I find no joy in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any favorite uh, book to movie adaptations? Uh, the Mist is a big one. I mean, you know, Mist is very good. Uh, listen, Hellbound Heart to Hellraiser, obviously. Uh, what I got here on the wall? What am I looking at? This is convenient. I'm in my library. I can just look and I can see if there's anything that jumps out at me. You know what? I'm a huge, everyone, you know, like the, you know, mo or rather most people like, you know, the new it duology. I'm one of the, at least in my experience, I'm one of the few people who goes to bat harder for the second one than the first one. I mean, I thought the first one, you know, the clown was cool. You know, the set pieces were good, but it just, the story to me was just very much, not really there. It was just trying to like set up the the space and the vibe. And then the second one really had the heart. It had like these people coming back together. It had that chemistry with the the older fam the older friends coming back together. I loved chapter two of it. And most people seem to think that chapter one was the better one. But I will go to bat for part two for you know all day. 
do you prefer the the miniseries? I think it was in the early '90s, or the or the duology, the movies. No, I go for the duology. I mean, listen, Tim Curry is Pennywise. Is Tim Curry is Pennywise, but you know, the the miniseries doesn't really engage with. I think really just like the meat and the heart of the story, and I guess you know, the fierceness of it, like you know, just the ferocity of the clown, and honestly, just like even these kids and how deeply they felt for each other and what they were trying to do as they fought back, and just like it kind of glosses over the weirdness of, you know, listen at the end, and and honestly, the the movie kind of tanks the ending too, but like the book obviously like there's this whole weird to do with you know the deadlights and you know it's a spider but it's not really a spider and we gotta you know the silver doesn't really kill it and then the miniseries is just like no no he's a big spider shoot him with silver you're done he's good walk away it's just it's it's a weirder process you know i I did not enjoy the first it movie so i skipped chapter two uh, I've always been curious about it though, because most movies that people hate, I tend to enjoy. So, yeah, so now I, would I have to watch you... the Room and F Chapter. <laughs> you know, but you know what I really want to see in this streaming age where they they can do just anything just to you know get some clicks. Someone needs to take it Chapter One and it Chapter Two and just edit them together into like you know like a like like the way the book does, where like you know you're in the '80s and then you're in the present and you just spend the whole movie bouncing back, the whole book bouncing back and forth. Someone needs to do that to the It movies. Just give me a four-hour cut that is just the two movies spliced together in time, bouncing around, and I think that would be like a freaking magnum opus. Just just give it to me. I want it. I want to see that. We could probably start a, an online campaign for that. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. yeah. Release the full cut. Yeah, release the it, the full It cut or something. Yeah. something we have to think of something. Uh, Hashtag something give me it. Hashtag give me it. That's yeah, I like that. Give me all hey, of it. Can, it can happen. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. It could happen, definitely. <laughs> that's yeah, that's actually a good, really good, uh, really good idea. And you mentioned I have to start this. I might have to. As soon as we hang up, I might have to take some pictures on the on the social media on the Insta, and I'm gonna hashtag it, and I'm gonna have to tag you, and we're just gonna we're gonna start this. Yeah, I'm not an I'm not on Instagram, but I, I keep wondering if I should I should yeah. be. But well this yeah. this but would yeah, be your reason to do it. You start an Instagram and then we'll get a hashtag going. I'll have to start I'll, I'll start an Instagram tonight. I'll start, <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been thinking about it. So I will be your first what, friend. What better reason? What yeah, better be reason than friend. to right on. We'll do that. You mentioned the mist being one of your favorite adaptations. Do you prefer the end of the movie or the end of the book? You know what? It goes against my natural instinct because, like I told you, like, you know, I I believe in, you know, like hope and I don't like just like, you know, a completely bleak ending. But I mean, that missed ending, it's just it's so well done. Like, it's just the, the movie, I sh- the movie, I mean, like, it's just it's so well put together and it just it just hits you like a hammer. How, you know, what he did and if he'd held out just like two more minutes. I mean, it's just I got to go with the, the movie because it's just. You know, there are times when you have your preferences and there are times when the execution is just so good, your preferences don't matter. And that ending is one of them. Like you just, you can't say, you can't say no against it. Are, are you one of the, one of the readers that think that Stephen King is bad at endings? You know, I don't think that's, you know, I've, I've heard that a lot. And I, 
really don't think that's fair at all. I think, you know, he's done some excellent endings. I love the ending of it. I love the ending of misery. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think that's kind of a, I mean, I love the ending of the shining. I mean, I think that's a overly general criticism. I mean, listen, he doesn't stick it every time. No one does, but I mean, I wouldn't say that it's like, like an overarching failure of his. Yeah. Yeah. I've been hearing more and more people say that lately about his endings, but I haven't read too much King, but I did like really? 11, 2263. I read that yeah. last month. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, again, that's a, that's a very good ending. Yeah. I thought that was like a very excellent ending that just, you know, wraps everything up in a way that powerful and noteworthy. Absolutely. Yeah. And it kind of makes me sad because I think the mist is a real, is a really great movie, but I think the, I think the special effects, I think people don't take it as don't give it enough respect because it didn't have, the 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 special effects are pretty pretty rough in that one, but I think that turns some people off to the movie. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's it's got on you know pretty well. It's got its followings again. You know, like they did what they. It's the kind of thing where it looks like they did what they wanted to do, and you know, people that over time respect that. Yeah, and we talk a lot a lot about horror, but do you ever consider writing other genres? <sighs> You know, the answer is not really. I mean, I've I've thought about it on occasion and I just there's no idea that I could have or that rather that at least I should say never, but nothing has ever come to me outside of horror that like I felt like I had all of the pieces together in a way that I would want to sit and put the time because this this takes time to do. I mean, you know, it it takes like, you know, a good year and change from, you know, beginning to end to write a full book or script or anything. So it's, I mean, listen, I would. It's not like I would be against it, but most of my tools come back to horror. Like I could, like I could see myself being like, "Oh, this will be a, a comedy," and then the next thing I know, I've, I've killed thirteen people, and I, like I didn't need to. It's just, but you know, part of you know being like a like a pantser as a writer is that you know, as you're writing, you're looking, you know, one step ahead to be like, "Oh, I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do that." All my instincts are violent, so it's just, you know. That's where we wind up. Yeah. And I, I've been hearing a, a quote lately, and it kind of it gives me pause. The quote is, "Write what you know," and it, that seems like weird advice to me for a writer. What what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, I advice? I think it's I think it's maybe like a way to get started, or kind of like an accessible thing for people who aren't maybe writers by nature, because you know the notion of write what you know is, you know, when you're stuck, you know about it, and you have stuff that you can draw on to, you know, paper that over. But if you're a writer, I mean, that's not some, that's not insurmountable. Like, you know, you can write about something you don't know and you'll either, you'll learn enough about it to make it work or you'll kind of sidestep around what you don't know to get back to where you are. I mean, like I, I wrote a, I wrote a book about a rock musician who, you know, fights, you know, shapeshifters in the desert. And it, it's my usual, you know, bloody shit. I know Jack all about music. I know Jack shit about music. Couldn't tell you. I mean, I like, I love listening to it. I got like, you know, stuff I like, but I couldn't tell you a fucking thing about playing guitar or singing or, but you know, I learned enough. Like, you know, I just, I pulled together enough stuff that I could bullshit together to make it sound like I knew something about how to play a guitar chord. And then we just moved on. <laughs> So it's just, 
I guess it's, I guess my final summation is it's helpful for beginners, but if you're going to like write for real, you know, be prepared to write about what you don't know. Yeah. Do you have any favorite albums? Uh, I'm a big Alice Cooper fan. I'm a big fan of uh, like, you know, Hey Stupid. Hey Stupid. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's like, again, you know, kind of like one of his deeper cuts, but like, Hey Stupid, Constrictor. Um, I'm a big drive-by truckers, you know, outside of like metal, I'm a huge drive-by truckers fan, kind of like this. It's not really country. They call it folk rock or they call it like Southern alt Southern rock. You know, it's like, they took, you know, like the basic structure of country music and they're just like, what if this was just like a lot bleaker and, you know, no one had a girlfriend in a pickup truck and we all just were on welfare and died. And it's, but it's just, it's, it's deep. And it's like, now listen, I'm the drive-by truckers whole you know, discography. Give me the, give me the dirty South Southern rock opera. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. Checking, there. This, out. Checking this out right now. <laughs> alternative country, Southern rock band. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's what they call it. It's like alternative countries is catch all for like country, but not like that. Uh, not like that radio country. Not, uh, <laughs> not the, not the stuff that they play in Iowa. Like, you know, alternative country. It is a catch-all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you said you listen to metal. I've been trying to get more into metal lately. Yeah. Uh, do you have any any metal bands you would recommend for someone who's new to it? Um, trying to get into it. Well, I mean, it, there's a, there's a lot of different directions you can go with that. I mean, uh, and you know, it's funny you talk about metal. It's like you know what was metal in the '80s is now just kind of like you know like rock. But yeah. like you know what, I'll give you one: Beast in Black. Beast in Black. East in Black. They're like a, they're like a power metal band from like Norway or Sweden or like one of those. There's like a huge, there's a huge metal scene coming out of like you know like Northern Europe, and they're they're just I think they're excellent. They're new. They're just their third album just came out, but it's like it's like power metal. So it's just like this constant like high energy like fast music. It's great. It's not as it's not as like you know like deeply screamy as like you know some of like you know, like death metal or black metal would be. So it's a little more accessible, but it's just it's just impossible not to hear and want to just like put your fist through a wall. It's good stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I did find uh, I found a, I forget the name of the YouTube channel. They review uh, metal albums, and I did find uh, Bellwitch. I guess it's called uh, Gloom Metal or something. But Gloom, that's, so that's, I've been trying. that's a new one to me. But that 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 sounds like my shit right there. I'm gonna write that down. Gloom Metal. Yeah. Gloom metal. I think it's called gloom metal, uh, yeah. but it's a bell witch. I think the album is um, Mirror Reaper. Yeah, I mean, you know, like yeah. music is just something that like I I really love. Like I love listening to music. You know, I like driving and just like having stuff on the radio. But I know none. I I know none of the specifics. Like none of the uh, what makes this genre that genre. Or what I'm just like no. This is good. This this one here I like. And you know, like I can't tell you band name, like band members or history or anything. It's just, but I like it. I know what I like, and I like it. And that's that's enough for me when it comes to music. Well, and I did I did notice that you are you're in a in a horror anthology, uh, books of horror community anthology. Yeah. Do you write Do you write a lot of short stories? You know what? I really don't. I frankly don't much like writing short stories at all. Just it's not for whatever reason my skill set. It doesn't translate well i feel like hmm. i kind of like to amble as i write so i you know i like take a little time setting up characters and short stories really like a lot of them are built around like you know like an underlying theme or a metaphor like there's like a key 
thing that they have that they want to get across. And I just, I don't write well encapsulated like that. I just kind of need to stretch out and play with a bunch of different stuff. But books of horror is a Facebook group. And for my money, it is the best horror group. Really just really the best horror gathering of people that I've ever seen. Like, it's just, it's a book group where like, you know, people can, you know, like self promote, which I do fairly regularly, but like, it's not just overwhelmed by people pushing their own stuff. It's just, it's a lot of great conversations. It's a lot of real love for the genre. It's not a lot of fighting, which is very hard to find on a social media site, but it's just, it is the best place to be for horror I've found. And, you know, there's enough writers in the group that they put together, you know, an anthology. And I was like, for them, I, I want to get in on this. But even then, like, you know, I like them, but, you know, they're on like volume three now. I've only submitted to the first one just because I don't like writing short stories and I typically don't have something lying around to, you know, to submit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're the first person. I think you were one of the first people to tell me that they enjoy Facebook groups, writing uh, Facebook writers groups. So that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, cause a lot of them are just like, you know, like no one's really having a conversation. Everyone's just trying to, you know, shovel out whatever they're trying to promote. So like this place is like an actual place. It's like, it's like, it's like what this is like the Facebook proof of proof of concept. Like, this is what it's supposed to be. Like you all just like talking about horror books and you just sit here and you talk about them and no one, no one is racist and no one is, you know, calling each other names. And it's just, you just hang out in peace. Like we, we've cracked a code somehow in that group. We've cracked some kind of code and it's just, yes. it works. It's, it's great when you find those kind of those little pockets of the internet yeah. of just decent yeah. people. That, yeah. like, it's like, know. this is, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, we're good here. Yeah, you know it's it almost takes a little bit of time to kind of relax in those kind of places. Yeah, just because it, you're you're so used to you know the negativity. Yeah, no, but it, it's yeah, that's like that's just it. There's it's just it's a very not negative place, and it's it's one of my favorite spots to hang out. Oh, right on. Uh, yeah. Let me. What was that called again? I can. Uh, books of horror. Books of it's horror. just called. Oh, it's just called books of horror. That's it. Okay. Yeah, but like, listen, I've I've just met a lot of very cool people there, so. Oh, nice. Let me get that. And for aspiring writers or people who are just getting started, do you have any advice for them? If someone came to you and said, "Sean, I'm getting started," um, what what's your advice for me? Well, you know, not not to really repeat myself, but finish things whatever especially if you're a new writer and like you know listen you are not going to walk out there and hit a home run bestseller on your first attempt at writing so just learn how to finish things so you start a story whether it's a short and this will probably be fairly short even trying to write a novel the first time because you're learning like you need to learn the process and that means learning it from the beginning to the end and it's just the most important thing you can do Cause then you like, and then you carry that with you. You don't get discouraged and quit things halfway through, you know, even after you finish your first one, you've learned to work through the process. So I think that's very important. And I do have, uh, before I let you go, I do have a few questions that I try and ask during every conversation. So mm -hmm. the first one is, uh, if the zombie apocalypse happened today, what would be your weapon of choice? Uh, steamroller. 
Just get, just get up, get up there high, and just go. <laughs> Do you prefer your zombies fast or slow? If you're watching, not if you're trying to survive, <laughs> but if you're watching yeah. them. Uh, I would say actually, you know what? I'm gonna go fast. I'm not a I'm not a huge zombie person in general, but I I appreciate some quick zombies. Yeah, it seems like they they're it's easier to build tension with them. Yeah, the sense of danger. Yeah. So the next one is, what was your first job? Uh, I worked at a uh, I worked at a farm market as a uh, just as a stock boy, just kind of hauling apples. I should mention I live in the suburbs. I I did not grow up in the sticks, but I I worked at a farm market. That was that was my first job. Uh, what what lessons did you learn from that job? Uh, I mean, you learn how to you know it it was it was kind of like a folksy place. You know, I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to you know get comfortable. And you know, I learned how to you know just do like physical work. I mean, you know. I'm not sure, you know, not a lot of 14 year olds anymore do that, but it was, it was labor. Like, you know, you were carrying stuff in, you were carrying stuff out. We had like an actual field in the back that, you know, you had to like pick green beans sometimes. And it's, I think it's good to have an appreciation for just like, sometimes you just work with, you know, your hands and your body. And it's just, it, it's good to have that, uh, that comfort doing that. Cause sometimes you got to just deal with shit. <laughs> That's, that's true, yeah. Sometimes yeah. you have to deal with shit. Yeah. <laughs> Some good life advice. Yeah. So the the last question I have for you is if roles were if roles were reversed, is there a question you would have asked that I did not ask? Uh, you know what? No, but I am going to give you some kudos for not asking like a lot of like the obvious, you know, podcaster questions like, "Oh, where do you get your ideas?" It's yeah. just like, <laughs> no, this 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 has been good. It's been very good. Cool. Yeah, I try and improve the repertoire with new questions. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's good to, I, I try to mix things up. I try not to do the same thing over and over again. There's certain yeah. things that like kind of hard to avoid, but I try yeah. to not be too, you know, too predictable. But, <laughs> well, it, it did very well. Cool. Thank you. So, uh, I will leave all your information down below, but where can people find you? Where's a, where's a good place to connect with you and find your work? I mean, you can find me on uh, Facebook at Sean McDonough Horror Author. You can find me on Instagram at House of the Boogeyman. Uh, all my stuff's on Amazon. If you message me directly on social media, I sell signed copies myself. So I'll, you know, I'll give you whatever you like. And uh, those are the those are the good spots. Nice. So I will add all those all those links down below so people can find you and reach out to you and, and read yeah. your book. So yeah. yeah. So thanks for taking time out of your day. Yeah, no, no, my pleasure. Just make sure you know you had your Instagram too, so we can get everyone on hashtag. Give me all of it. All right, <laughs> I will do that tonight. <laughs> I've, I've 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 been debating uh, Instagram. I've been thinking about it. So I guess yeah. I guess now's the time. What 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 better cause than give yeah. me all of it? Yeah. Hashtag give me all of it. Yeah. We will start a campaign. We'll get this. We're going to make this happen. Yeah. If the Snyder fans I mean, can do it, so can we. Exactly. Yeah. This is even easier. Awesome. It's made. Someone just has to spend a couple hours editing it. Ultimately, we're going to get to someone who says, why don't you just do it yourself if you want it done so bad? <laughs> yeah, all right, we'll do it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's no time to watch uh, to finish your movie, but yeah, let's, let's edit to <laughs> have our movies. <laughs> but now it's content. Now I'm not just doing it to enjoy myself. I'm doing it to make content. 
There you go. Yeah. So, we'll hashtag the whole process. Yeah. We could we could crowdfund. That that'd be yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. That could work. Yeah. So cool. We're making a yeah. plan here. Yeah, we're making things happen. We're not just, you know, chatting. We're actually being productive. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. Thanks. Uh, I know you're really busy, so thanks for taking time out to yeah. to just kind of shoot the shoot the breeze with me. So well, thanks for having me. It was a blast. Yeah. So let me know if uh, you want to do it again. Just keep in touch. Yeah, no, for sure.